Hello, I'm Rebecca Horan, and a very warm welcome to A Little Birdie Told Me, a podcast brought to you by Rollercoaster.ie. In this season, I will sit down and chat to 16 pretty interesting people to discuss pregnancy, parenting, and everything in between. On this week's episode, I sit down with longtime friend Gillian Murcia. Gillian is a working mother of three children and she discusses in detail how she dedicates much of her time to advocating for people with Down syndrome. This podcast is a very special one for me because I'm joined by a friend from childhood. So I've known this woman for a long, old time and she's uh, close to my heart. Um, I'm very happy to introduce today Gillian Murta, who is a marketing extraordinaire woman in the whole working scene, says working is a mother of three, um, you know, a committed, wonderful mother of three and, and a good friend to us and a multi, multi-talented. I could talk about her for hours, but I'm um, thank you so much for coming in. Thanks, Bex. That's very nice. And yeah, trying to juggle a bit like all the mums out there, um, always questioning whether you're doing anything to its full potential. But still, you're, you're doing it and you're surviving and you look absolutely brilliant. Um, I'm going to get straight in to kind of the beginning of the parenting journey, which is obviously you and Dave, you know, meeting each other, getting married. We were all at that wedding. It was absolutely beautiful in Donegal, which is close to your heart and everything that comes with that. When you married Dave, were, were there really high hopes to have a family of your own? Um, you know, I think that's probably high on a lot of people's list when they got mar- they get married. Not everybody, but yeah, sure. Like it was always there in the background. It wasn't let's get married and start a family straight away. You know, I always joke that I was a child bride. I was 27 when I got married, you know, which felt kind of young at the time. Now, in hindsight, where I am today, I think it was probably good timing, you know. But uh, yeah, kids were probably always going to be on the horizon for us. So you get married, you are how long married before you have your first child, Tom? So we were married in 2010 and we had Tom in January 2013. Because you were pregnant at my wedding in 2013. No, you had Tom. I had Tom was four yes. months. So Sorry, you brought, yes. Yeah, he came with us. He Gosh, attended. I'm thinking of someone else who's pregnant. <laughs> yes, because Kelly was, Kelly was pregnant. Yes. So <clears throat> how was that, The knowing that you were pregnant with Tom, the huge excitement? You were the first, I think, in our group of friends, because we've got a group of friends. And what did that feel like? And was it a lovely journey being pregnant with Tom or was it tricky? Um, No, it was a lovely journey. And I think, you know, I nearly took it a bit flippantly. It happened easily. All of a sudden I was pregnant. I enjoyed the pregnancy. This baby was going to arrive. Um, Yes, probably the first in the school group. Um, Maybe daunting in that sense, but but exciting. I think I got a big shock, though, when I actually delivered him and there was a little tiny baby. It was like, oh, yes, I've had a nine month pregnancy. Oh, and now there's actually something I need to take care of. This is real. How did you, yeah, because I do remember you being, I was like, she's such a grown up. She's having a baby because I remember just finding the whole thing very daunting. Um, But you were doing it. You were in it. How did you find it when Tom came along? Gorgeous Tom. Um, Did you take to it like a duck to water? Did you struggle? Did you have a lot of help? Do you know what? I think it's all a bit of a blur now um, (laughs) because no one knows what they're doing right in their first. Well, I certainly didn't. Um, I had good support. Um, My uh, sister-in-law had a baby four months before us and they were close by. My mother-in-law was a great support. My family live a little further afield and my sister was abroad at the time. Um, But no, it was fine. You know, I never, you know, there was groups, there was a public health nurse. Mm. We weren't in any kind of COVID situation. So no, I felt supported and I felt fine. It was just... Uh, uh, you know, life as I knew it turned on its head, basically a whole new uh, way of prioritizing everything. All your decisions. It's a little bit like grieving, like having a child. I sometimes say it's the most profoundly special, incredible feeling, but it's also like you're also grieving your old self. Yeah, and I vividly had that feeling. I remember because my waters broke and he arrived the next day and then the few days in hospital, maybe three days or whatever. I remember coming home into our house with this baby and feeling like, geez, the last time I was here, I didn't have a baby and now I have it. What just happened? This kind of what has happened? Yeah. Earth shattering. Yeah. I mean, yeah. incredible, but you really have to say goodbye. And someone said that to me the other day, Rebecca, you just really have to say goodbye to that life and stop pretending that that's part of your life. But this is this great new chapter. And sometimes we try and do both. We straddle the other part of our lives and it doesn't really work. Yeah, and I think people can struggle with that. I think I was I, I was okay in the end, but yeah, there's definitely a piece of my life as I knew it yeah. is over. Did you go back to work? 
I did. Yeah, I went back to work when he was maybe 10 months. He took a little bit. Took a little bit and he went into crash and that was that. So the conversation, does it then turn when the child is one or two, when Tom's one or two, do you start going, do we want to grow our family more? Like when does that kind of then crop up or did you not really make a big thing out of that? Didn't make a huge thing out of it. I think I was so obsessed with my little boy and was so happy with my life and content. Um, There was probably a period where I felt like, oh, do you know what? I don't even know if I want another child. I don't know if I could love anything else as much as I love this child. So for a while I was a bit on the fence and I didn't hurry or rush things. But, you know, after time, you know, a certain amount of time will slip by and you're like, oh, well, maybe a sibling would be a good idea. I have one sibling. Mm -hmm. So it's like, oh, a sibling might be a nice plan. Um, Let's think about that, you know. So I had changed job recently and there was criteria that maternity pay would only kick in once mm-hmm. you were two years with That's your tricky. employer. Mm-hmm. Um, things have changed now, which is wonderful. But at the time, that was the case. So I decided to wait. I'll do my two years and then I'll be entitled to my maternity so we can talk about it's it a lot then. Of pressure. We've all, I've been there as well. It's a lot of pressure. Yeah. Yeah. So... Of course, I waited the two years and then we got into difficulty okay. trying to conceive the second time round. Do you believe that's because you waited? Do you think it was a part of age or do you actually just think it was kind of like someone saying you shouldn't have waited? You know, I don't know. Don't but, know yeah. but in hindsight, I, I do say to myself, I shouldn't have waited. You know, now you should you never know, depend on someone else to control your life. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah it's interesting. Sort of, as you move through life, you kind of get to a point you're like, there's never a right time. Yeah. And like, don't wait for other things to, to control dictate. or dictate mm-hmm. to you. So, um, so when you say difficulty, it just started not being so simple to just yeah. get pregnant. Yeah, no, we couldn't get pregnant. Um, uh, you know, I went about it. It turns out it's quite a common thing. Secondary infertility. Mm-hmm. I'd never heard that. Mm-hmm. I was, and it was, and it sounds a bit mad because I had a child and like, what? Are you, what's your problem? Some people can't conceive at all. But it, it was worse because I was like, well, I did. And now I can't, mm-hmm. you know, what's gone wrong, yeah. you know. So um, now it was a very kind of quick and easy fix. Okay. You know, we did some um, fertility treatment and luckily, you know, sort of the entry level piece, if you like. And that worked for us. Were you being pushed? Did you feel under pressure to go down an IVF route? Did you feel like people were kind of like the expense was coming into the conversation, the stress of that? Or did you kind of take it at your own, you know, as a couple? Did you just kind of make your own decision on that? It's a tricky one, you know, some people, you know, have very differing opinions on the fertility clinics and that they are a bit of a money maker. Well, let's go straight to IVF, the big bucks, kachings. And as I said, things have moved on and fertility treatment then wasn't included if you had private health. So it was going to be our own expense. Now, luckily for us, we were kind of like, no, we've done it before. Something, you know, something's got to give. So it was just, I, I can't recall now, but I think it was IUI. So it's a very kind of... It's a little bit different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's not as yeah. intrusive. and yeah. So how long was the process from trying to doing this and then getting pregnant again? Do you feel like you were at it a while? Um, I'd say probably a year and a half in all. That probably felt like a while. Yeah. Having just quickly conceived with Tom. Yeah. Okay. Was it putting stress on you? Were you stressed? Were you okay? Um, I don't remember being overly stressed about it. You kind of went with it. I think I always felt it would work out and it did. So, yeah. So you get pregnant. So I got pregnant, yeah. With yeah. Leo. Yeah. Um, and you, your road is different to Tom's or not? How was that pregnancy? That pregnancy was great. Okay. I sailed through it. You looked great. Didn't know. <laughs> I remember we were both pregnant. Were we both pregnant at the same time? We, we were. were. Yeah. And I remember I was like, God, she kind of suits this, Lark. Yeah. You were very know. glowy and happy. And, no, you looked fantastic. Very. She was very happy. I was happy and it was a great pregnancy. I can't complain. I kind of sailed through it. And it was actually my best, you know, now in retrospect, my favourite labour as well. Really? That's not weird to say. Um, Just uh, just less of a horrendous (laughs) labour. Yeah, Yeah. less of a horrendous labour. I didn't know. It was a surprise. Didn't know it was going to be a boy or a girl. Oh, you you didn't know any of that, okay. No, didn't know any of that. So, uh, yeah, it was a good one. So when did things become a little bit more tricky or a little bit outside the norm for you with that pregnancy? Like when... Did you have an early labour? Did you go into hospital? Was it very much like going with Tom for your labour? Yeah, it was It was textbook. Okay. Everything was textbook. It was perfectly fine. Uh, Tom was a week early. Exact same on this pregnancy. Okay. I was going in for a checkup and 
I was having contractions. I said, I think I might be in labor. And the consultant checked me and he's like, oh, yes. Wow. You're in oh labor. My gosh. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, we'll pop you straight over to delivery. Oh, my gosh. And I'll come and see the baby when I finish my clinic. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> and this was nine so in the morning. you were just going in for a scan. Well, I was going in to see him for a regular yeah, appointment. A, a you know, you go weekly yeah, 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 at sure. the end. And I, ha- I knew, like, I knew I was having my contractions. That's so funny. I'm going to do very um, chilled. He sent me across and he said he'd be over after his clinic. And I remember because this is about half nine in the morning. And I remember saying, well, what time is your clinic finished? And he said one o'clock. And he said, I'll be over to meet the baby. And I was like, oh, really? You know, and he was right. Yeah, I, I can't Quick. I think he's born by 12. Yeah, you fast. You're pretty impressive yeah. uh, delivery yeah. times. Yeah. She's the Formula One of delivery. <laughs> well, not the first time, but this time was, yeah, pretty good. So so you you have a labor with you. Like you've just said, it wasn't the most horrendous labor. You know, you didn't feel like it was killing you and you were like needing things and you were you just got through that yeah what happens Jill when you deliver your baby because it became very crazy so delivered Leo after the couple of hours as I said I sailed through the labor um I had done some pregnancy yoga I was very much this is great you know mind over matter felt very much in control was delighted then you know the baby's out he's here Dave's with Um, you Dave was with me um a wonderful midwife delivered him I'll never forget her she was lovely she was kind of an older lady real school teacher come on you're fine you know there was no messing and she took baby you know over doing all the little bits and bobs and um I just remember kind of being in that post euphoric Mm -hmm. glow glow just happy happy he's here yeah a boy we didn't know that and then she came back over and I had I had made some throwaway comment as she was she was sort of tending to him to say, oh, my God, he doesn't look anything like his brother. And then she came back over to me and she said, oh, here's your little one. She said, oh, did you say he has a brother? And I said, yeah. And she said, you don't think they look alike? And I said, no, not a bit. And he said, and then she said, so I'm seeing features associated with Down syndrome. So that was like a wrecking ball out of the... How many minutes after you've given birth to this baby? Oh, maybe six, you know, seven. Like it was, she knew, like, you know. Do you think she knew instantly? She knew, she knew definitely. experienced in yeah. this. Wow, Jill. So in that time, she had obviously called Dave for... Dave was hearing this. Dave is beside me. We're just... And did you feel he did look different? Because I feel like babies all look the same. Like, when I looked at him, no, actually. Yeah, you know, I but wouldn't you just have said it as a throwaway, maybe? Just as a throwaway. Kay. His little shaped face maybe like was more round or something. So she said those words and um, she said, wow. I just want you to know the paediatrician's going to come bustling into the room. The room's going to be really busy in a minute. And this is the reason why. Um, <laughs> it was just, all right, like cue absolute terror. Like I don't really know, know in those moments what really happened after that other than I held him and I kind of rocked. And I was like, no, it's okay. It's going to be okay. I just kept saying to myself, it's fine. It's fine. I think I was like rocking kind of like very manically. Strong. I mean, it's something we use as a throwaway. Oh, she's a strong woman. She's strong. And it's a bit like, well, no, I don't want to be this strong. But you are innately a strong person. I mean, I don't know what happened to Dave in that moment. But did you feel you were just in survival? More so because you feared his health and safety. Like, is he okay? What's happening here? It's scary. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you get that massive shock of those words. But then suddenly this overriding... Love. Well, is he okay? Yeah. You know, what does My this baby. mean? Is he all right? Like that that suddenly then kicked in. The pediatrician came. He was whisked off then straight down to the NICU. And then you're kind so of, that's worse. So you very quickly? Yeah, With no yeah. conversations? Uh, no. no, no, they did. They said that um, they just needed to check him over. They were going to put him into the NICU. He needed some help with his breathing. So, um, and they were gone, you know, just like that. So we were left with. Um, our lovely midwife kind of almost reeling it was just like what has just happened is this real it's just like I can barely like remember the sequence of events thereafter it was just unbelievable really you know it's it's hard to wrap your mind around at the time and like I'll never forget her words to us and and in- were you grateful that she had preempted kind of given you a bit of a Heads up, were you cross with her for kind of saying something out of turn that perhaps you would have liked to have heard? No. When they knew, definitely? No, I wasn't. I wasn't at all resentful. In fact, I've heard horror stories since of other people's experiences of how a potential diagnosis has been communicated. And, for you know, we're very lucky in how she 
she delivered that piece of information to us and so directly like it seems a bit harsh but it was it was, it was appreciated yes. and helpful yeah 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 very so much so what is the state um your mental state you know this baby is loved and adored already you've just delivered him but the fear for him and the worry for his health what is the state of play between yourself and Dave this is something I, I also probably have to clarify that you didn't know in advance there was no sign like I presume in any scan or any moment with your there wasn't any in- indication am I correct that's right yeah no that's important to say as well because you can have a prenatal diagnosis or a postnatal so Leo was a postnatal and I think both situations come with their own um, different, you know, difficulties or or positives or negatives. Um, you know, I can't imagine if I had known before I delivered him how I would have felt and that More pregnancy that I, the pregnancy that I really enjoyed, sadly, I probably wouldn't have enjoyed because I would have been so worried, you know, so I got to enjoy my pregnancy, but then I got this whopper shocker at the end. So I don't know which is better or which, and I can't speak for anyone who had a prenatal, but no, nothing. Um, we were very fortunate. Um, some of the big sort of markers that might come up during your um, anatomy scans would be holes in the heart, issues with the bowels, um, there's like fluid on the back of the neck, different indicators. So there indicators. are some indicators, okay. There are, and there was a nothing. number. Um, and there was nothing really obvious that came up in Leo's at all. Um, he had a very, very small little hole in his heart, which healed itself. He didn't need any kind of um, heart intervention at all at birth. Um, yeah, and n- no indications from the scans. What, before I get back to yourself and Dave's state, what was it that she, and this is also kind of more of an informative piece, what was it that she felt as a midwife, um, a medical, an expert in her field, what did she notice that she thought was just slightly different to a child without Down syndrome? Okay, so that's a great question because there are markers. Um, um, So what she was looking for, well, what they're all looking for when a baby is born actually is 10 fingers, 10 toes, Two ears, you know, it's things that you think are, but yeah, yeah, yeah. but uh, the markers and some of them um, would include there's a crease in the palm of our hand. So a typically developing person and it it breaks, whereas a child with Down syndrome has a continuous line, Um, a bigger gap. So their big toe will have a bigger gap before their next toe toe, which is actually incredibly adorable. Um, The little folds on the inside of your eyes. I forget there's a medical okay. name for it, but there's a little different fold. Little ears can be kind of lower. And then a big one can be around the eye shape, little almond eye shape. And also muscle tone is a really big one. So low muscle tone is a very typical um, trait with people with Down syndrome. Um, so the baby is, you know, the word that they use, even though it sounds dreadful, is floppy. So the baby's going to be a little bit floppy. So they're the kind of things that she could see. Such I feel such minor, you know, obviously to the to the eye, they seem very tiny. Like when you've just given her, you wouldn't have noticed these things, but she intrinsically yes. knew. Yeah. So Dave and you are there. You have this lovely lady with you. You're tired after labor. It's hard no matter what it is. You're emotional because you've given birth to your beautiful boy, but you're emotional as well because news is how were you both? Um, I, I can't really remember. You know, we were so we were stunned. We were um, really just reeling. What you know, what's going to happen? And that that he was whisked away, and we didn't kind of know medically how he was. Um, we were like, well, you know. And I remember the midwife, and she was like, congratulations on your baby. And that kind of snapped me back into this, yeah, we just had a baby, you know? And, and you know, it is the right thing to say to somebody. Of course it is. Congratulations, like you've had your beautiful baby, you know? So we were then, well, we better tell the family that are all waiting to hear the news. But I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I couldn't. I was like, Dave, you're going to have to. So he kind of got to the task of just telling the grandparents, his mum, my parents. And then after a while, I was able to speak to my mum. And like that, my mum, like, you know, she'd be a bit of an an emotional person herself. But when she got on the phone, she was just, she really surprised me with her reaction. With the the congratulations, I can't wait to meet my little grandson. And and that really comforted me into this day. No better response from a mother to say, this is not a tragedy. This is an absolute joy. Yeah, he's my grandson. He's here. I'm delighted. Can't wait to meet him. You know, so that really kind of 
helped you. Helped, yeah, it really did. There's and I think worse back than someone going, How are you feeling? Are you worried? What did they say? What's going to happen? Yeah, because I didn't That's have those worse, answers at the time. So that was yeah. only going to, you know. Yeah. 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 I get emotional listening to you <laughs> because I do think you're, I think um, we all have our babies and we worry all the time about them. But it's just at this point, when do you get to speak to a pediatrician? So I think the per- first person that we were going to be uh, speaking to now that he was in the NICU was the neonatologist. Mm-hmm. I think, I hope I'm saying that properly. Um, so who was busy, you know, tending to the baby. So I feel like we were kind of given time and we were left in the delivery suite, got sorted, got our tea and toast. Well, I did anyway. And then we were just waiting till when we could get down to see him. Um, I can't remember the time frame actually. Yeah, yeah. If I had yeah. done my research, yeah. I probably should have asked Dave that before I came in to say, "Hey, no, where are we?" No, before we actually got to go down. You're in such a haze. Um, so we got to go down and we got to see him, and we got to see the nurses in there. Um, that must have been very comforting. Um, it it was no, not initially because he was in like the main part of the NICU, and it's it's very overwhelming. If you've never been in it, like I've never been to it. Describe that. I don't. I, I've heard horror stories. I see pictures. We all know. But how how hard is that for a, a mom who's just given birth? I think it would be hard for anyone. But when when you've literally just given birth and you're all over the place with the news of the possible diagnosis and everything, it's the lights, it's the sound. It was it was extremely um, over stimulating, overwhelming. Um, but the nurses are amazing. Um, it's incubator upon incubator because it was kind of in the main part. Now there are he was moved into a much quieter part, you know, after the first twelve or so hours, and that was much more manageable. But you're literally wedging into a chair, and you have an incubator on either side of you, and your baby is in one of them. Um, so initially, yeah, it's not a good place to be when you don't know what the state of play is, and it's also new, and there's your little tiny baby, and everything wires mm. and scary yeah yeah like seeing anyone you love wired up to say it's awful and this is yes. a tiny baby tiny baby so we still didn't know what the story was or how he was and then it was after we got to see him for a while in the NICU then that we got to speak to the the neonatologist and um kind of have a good chat at that point then was that about. helpful <clears throat> it was helpful it was really helpful okay. um he was able to go through loads of details with us in general. He was still working out lots of things with Leo. You know, he couldn't tests comment and, okay, tests and okay. things. Um, he couldn't comment on his, um, you know, they, I think they were pretty quick to know his heart and everything was probably OK. okay. But there was other things going on as well. So he was he was great in giving us general chat and, and assuring us he was there and, his, you know, come to him with questions, write questions down, you know, don't be afraid to ask. So and, and sort of guiding us to sources of information support and support. Point. Yeah. How are you and Dave away. navigating this? So how are you just are you just both kind of in survival? Mode? Let's just figure this out. Let's sort of, let's find out what's happening. What the next is that kind of how you're or are I, you both really struggling and just kind of putting a good face on? No, I think we were both into survival mode Good. and let's let's see how what do we need to do next? What's you know, what are the steps? So no one broke, no one kind of had to carry the other one through. This was a kind of team effort. No, we daily broke. Okay. Like hourly broke and like it was literally like turning tables and one was down and the other just like no words exchanged, just right the other one just plow on and pick the other one back up oh yeah it was constant and regular and you know Dave had to leave the hospital at some point that night I can't even remember what time you know so I don't know how he must have felt you know leaving us there and going home probably haven't really spoken about that you know how he felt because obviously Tom was at home you know and and other family members um but no it was regular kind of one of us would slump and the other just had to kind of Keep and going. Life, life does go on with anything that happens. Um, I remember we were all told that you'd had baby Leo. We we're all delighted for you in touch, you know, there as a kind of background support. When are we going to get meet him? And kind of probably being annoying, but just there for you. Yet your life goes on at home. You do have a child. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a family. There's people want, wanting you and needing you. And you're also, I presume, how long were you still in Nick? Like you didn't get to bring him home for quite a while. No, so I would have obviously been discharged on day three, but I 
I think that's, don't they say that's the, one of the tear, you know, yes. your emotional, um, I couldn't go. So I was, I just, I said, I can't leave. And I don't know who Dave spoke to, but they were able to keep me another night. So I got to stay. That's weird in itself, being in a ward with no baby beside you, you know, when the people next to you do. But um, do you find all that weird? Did you find you were looking at others, you know, breastfeeding their bundles or getting on? And did you find you were, you know, hurt by that and resentful that your baby was a NICU or, or not at all those thoughts or did you really struggle with that? Um, I didn't overly struggle with it. I was in a small enough room and I remember um, I actually think the lady, one of the ladies that I overlapped with had a baby in the NICU as well. So similar situation. She was going up and down with no baby beside her and then there was one baby beside me for a little while. So it wasn't too bad in that sense. But no, I didn't feel resentment. Like I more so felt like I can't believe this has happened and how has this happened to me? But I wasn't outwardly resenting They all anyone have their babies else. beside yeah. them. Yeah, okay. No, no, I didn't feel like that. Um, and so I got home after day four and Leo stayed in the NICU for three weeks. So my life was in and out of the rotunda every day for three weeks. Well, Dave might go in, you know, he was obviously trying to work, manage Tom. My parents basically moved in with us. My dad would drop me in every day. Everyone was on hand. You had a village. You felt like you had a village. Yeah, yeah. No, we did. You know, my parents were there. Tom was starting junior infants. They brought, my parents Huge brought him. milestone in his yeah, life. Yeah, they brought him to get his pair of shoes, got his uniform. I missed all of that. I remember being like beating myself up about that, not being able to give myself the headspace to oh, give him the time to start such a big milestone. Were you very self-contained? Was it very much getting Leo out, getting into the return? Like, were you very much jail in a bubble do you do you remember do you think you were I think I was yeah and, and like people like that reaching out kind of keeping in touch checking in did to you see find that how hard was. and annoying that was hard it was hard I felt you know I struggled with trying to keep people up to date because day to day I didn't necessarily know myself and there wasn't maybe any update like how is he today I'm like well the exact same as yesterday you know so um and I know it was only coming from a good place but I just didn't have the heart some days even even going home in the evening and my mum would be like how was today I was like I just can't even talk about you know I think there's such goodwill um, when anything happens or when people give birth or someone you know horrendous things happen and a baby goes to NICU or you have news that a woman has delivered a baby who's stillborn or these things that happen in life Jill and I think there's always that feeling or need to fill the void and constantly keep in touch and make sure you know that we're all here and we all but I think probably being on the other side is also equally tricky and jarring because it's like I know you're you're looking out and you care but actually I'm in it Mm. and it's just kind of like there is no fun showbiz update it's just really hard and like to keep all of you happy is hard yeah um yeah I definitely felt like that even sitting sitting in the rotunda you know the odd time you got to look out the window I used to have to go to the pumping room you know to pump milk room every couple of hours and be sitting there staring out the window like god you know life's just out there rolling on by and my life's just you know, this is my life at the moment. And it was very hard to see kind of through it or past it or how it would kind of pan out. And we didn't know day to day. There was no time frame on when he's going to get out. Um, you know, at the end, it was his um, oxygen levels and they kept dipping and they won't let him go home until they maintained a certain level. So every day it was like, oh, he stayed at whatever percent for three hours. But until he stays, you know, the, so it was literally every day it was just slog yeah. and stress and worry yeah did you get to hold him much did you get to we have did. that bonding experience did you feel you didn't get that we did get to hold him um at the start not too much because he had to come out with his little oxygen tube either right out his nose or in his nose um and then he'd have to go back in if this those sats started to dip again so no you know as as the days in the first week or whatever you know as the days crept by we got to hold him a little bit more um but yeah it's difficult you know it's difficult to bond because you don't know does he know the difference it's it's mom or dad and it's not just the nurse you know um and I'd ring every night without fail even though I'd probably been there till whatever time you know I'd ring at 12 or whatever at night when I was going to bed 
just to see how he was and, you know, hope he's okay and hope he's a good night, you know. And there's a huge guilt with that as well because this person who you've never met in your life is tending to your child to your all child. night long. Yeah, you and know. are they okay for yeah, the job? Yeah, yeah. Even if they are, it's just a, it's, it's so your funny. baby, you know. I'm nearly apologising. I'm sorry, I can't, you oh, know. Not no. that you're allowed to stay all night at all, but um, yeah. So why do you get out of three weeks and what is that day like? So we got out of three weeks because finally his oxygen levels were able to maintain themselves and they realised he had a low ba- base rate anyway and, and other issues that he had. He had an enlarged liver at birth and uh, a couple of complications around that. So they had kind of stabilised, balanced out and we had appointments going forward to address the liver piece and, you know, they were happy enough with other areas we were linked in with our social worker it was overwhelming um actually getting out like okay. it was bittersweet we were delighted to be going yeah. but at the same time it was holy heck because we have all this stuff ahead of us to start Appointments, sourcing so- research yeah okay. yeah uh, okay. and also like medically you know he's a fragile child will we be okay he'll probably stay awake and watch him all night like you do that anyway with a new baby but um it was yeah it was I remember my heart was in my mouth. I was like, oh, God, here we go, you know. But now it was wonderful for Tom to get to meet him, you know. And that must have been hard for Tom, yeah. you know, this promise of a baby to come home and yes. then he's waiting. Yeah, three and weeks. They don't understand at that age. They're no. like, where is the baby? Yeah, yeah. What was that like? Uh, yeah, it was it was great. He, he came in to the foyer of the rotunda. That's as far as he could get, yeah. you know. Obviously, no one could get into the NICU bar us um, to meet him. And he was so quiet and kind of, you know, subdued. But, you know, he was delighted. And then we got home and he was holding him and cuddling him. And that was, that was really good then. You know, that was like, he's home now. You know, we're going to be okay. Leo is five now. Um, yes. He's similar five. to my daughter, yes, yeah. yeah I remember that's right, he'll be six in August. It was, so, yeah, August yeah. and she was November. I do remember that road together. Yeah. He is five and obviously nothing is perfect and nothing is linear in life. Nothing is, and you've had many a hospital. I mean, you were only telling me now you have a birthday coming up and you'll spend it in Crumlin and people don't see the hidden hardships. And I think that's why this is so important. Um, it's not about any tragedy. It's actually about the, the joys and what you've overcome. But it's about the fact that day to day, this is still what your journey is with him. But he's five. He's gorgeous and thriving and a little dote and has slotted into the family very well. And we'll talk about Ivy and that journey in a second. The five years... How are you getting on? Because you're a great um, advocate. You're a great campaigner. You're a great, great mama. Well, look, I don't know about that, but you do anything for your child. He's five. You know, it's been it's been a journey. Um, ups and downs for sure. And like, it sounds ridiculous. And I know when I heard it at the time when Leah was only tiny, um, mums that have gone ahead of me on this journey saying, oh, you wouldn't change a thing. You know, you'll get to that point. You would. And I remember thinking they're off their this rockers. This is tricky. I've got a tricky life ahead. <laughs> what yeah. are they on about? And I am now that mum. I'd be like, you wouldn't change your child for the world. You wouldn't even take away the Down syndrome uh, condition because they wouldn't be who they are without that little extra chromosome, you know? So the it's chromosome, tri- tw- what is the <clears throat> trisomy? Trisomy 21. So it's a triplication of the 21st chromosome. So Leo has one extra chromosome than you or I do. So what are, what are the, you know, you wouldn't change him. He slots in. He's the most gentle like just even from seeing bits and pieces and a glimpse into your life I don't get to see you enough what makes him different to your other children and I'm talking about the day-to-day workings like is there a lot of medical things that you have to think about what is his sleep like how is his play and interaction like what do you find are the differences and really are they or what what make the whole experience incredible or is it really hard so I guess um down syndrome is a condition it's not an illness and um, nothing causes it it just happens at the moment of conception um it's an intellectual disability um and it can come with certain um certain health issues not all the time um but a lot of the time there can be heart issues there can be bowel issues um there's delays there's delays of every kind there's learning delays speech delays everything is just going to take you longer so Leo is going to do his thing in his own time. So Leo is five. He's not yet toilet trained. He's not speaking. Um, his comprehension is really good. He can understand you. Um, but 
and this is kind of how we had to break it down to explain it to Tom. It's like, Leo will do what you do. It's just, it takes him longer to learn. Um, so those are the main things. So with that, you, you know, you're linked in and you have your early intervention support. So physical therapy, mm-hmm. speech therapy, occupational therapy. Then, uh, then on the medical side, like I mentioned, going to Crumlin with Leo, he's linked in with the gastro, gastro team in uh, Crumlin to this day, just about his his liver complications that he's had since birth. Um, often there'd be heart appointments, heart surgeries. You know, we didn't have any of that with Leo. So it's kind of constant ENT, ear, nose and throat, respiratory issues can be common, grommets needing, polyps, um, wakefulness at night, sleep apneas can be common. I mean, if you Google it, there is a horrifying list of what ifs or what could be. Um, And it could be terrifying. And, you know, I think it's just really important that any parents that might be facing into a diagnosis or get a new diagnosis of Down syndrome, it is, you know, shocking and terrifying initially. But you know what? It's not it's not the worst thing in the world that could happen. And it's not the hardest thing in the world. And, you know, you're you can do anything for your child and you would do anything for your child. And while services, that's another podcast in itself, you know, yeah. can be difficult and lacking and it can depend geographically where you are in the country and who you know and everything else. They have improved. I always, you know, Dave and I have always said we're lucky that Leo was born in Dublin in the year that he was born, you oh know, for the access that we've had to and not support. Not in some awful countries as well who treat any kind of um, difference in any baby just so, yeah, you know, archaic. It's horrendous. Yeah. Do you struggle with the nonsense and I often go on about it to bang on about this because I find all this very um it's very pedestrian and it's very outdated the developmental milestone stuff and she's hitting this and she's doing this at this time do you do you even look at the noise outside or do you really keep your family tight and not worry so much about that nonsense is it just not even in your um like I get it you know they are important developmental milestones I think now I I'm just really like kids are all different typically developing kids or kids with Down syndrome or kids with other syndromes, you know, you can't compare the moon and the stars. They're all going to shine in their own time, you know. So, you know, great. They're great to follow the the milestones. But, you know, I don't think parents should beat themselves up, you know. What you want people to know, I know, I think you're wonderful at kind of saying this comparison piece or this you know the nastiness that can sometimes be on the outside which I think is changing but then I don't know it's your perspective mine is you know maybe I think it is what do you really want to hit home and what do you think is very important about protecting these children and giving them a voice well I think it's just important to you know to maybe judge less you know unless you're in it or you're experiencing it um don't maybe cast judgment you know until until you understand and I think a lot of times people maybe shy away from it or you know can tend to be a bit rude or a bit ignorant because they don't understand like that was me once upon a time I didn't know anything about Down syndrome you know and why would you if you don't have to so I guess just try and you know keep keep an open mind you know judge people less you don't know the struggles anybody is going through for anything in life um so just be kind you know and be kind to yourself and um just yeah for for all the families with little kitties that are fighting a good fight for them you know just inclusion every single human all they need is to be loved and be included you know that's just yeah that always is um you decide to have a third child Mm-hmm. just because life is really chill and easygoing and the house is just it's all kind of calm you decide to have a third child <laughs> talk to me about that so I would caveat that piece <laughs> with uh, I'm just very judgy about people who go on to have like multiple I'm like are you crazy I was always a two yeah. child kind of gal I was like that's it I'll have two children yeah. and um, then we had Leo and our world's changed and um, we were trying to, you know, while we were trying to understand everything that, you know, the path ahead was going to throw up, we also were considering, well, this is Tom and his sibling. And we kind of went down the route of, well, when we're not there to look after Leo down the road, you know, 
well, Tom's going to have to look after him. Is this all on one child? Is this all on him? Okay. You know, and it was kind of born from that idea that maybe another sibling for support, mm-hmm. for future-proofing the family. Okay. was kind of the wow. thought process. Yeah. Um, big decision. A big decision. Um, but I think at the time when we spoke about it, when Leah was probably still in the NICU, I think it also gave me comfort, you know, yeah. that I will get this um, experience again. Um where I'm not in the NICU, where I'm not devastated. Yes. Um, and I kind of clung on to that. But that then helps the, that trauma a little bit. There's a little, a little bit. bit of cleansing yeah. of the trauma. Yeah. Yeah. So you have an okay pregnancy with Ivy? Um, so conceived easily, had a fine pregnancy. I mean, I was... Did you do pre-testing for any of that? We or not? did. Oh, we did, did okay. with Ivy. Uh, yeah. I didn't do that on Tom. Hadn't even heard of it then. And yeah. didn't even think to do it on Leo. Yeah. So um, that that's an important point as well, because that that would have shown this is the harmony test harmony or panorama there's there's a few different types so you do have to pay this is a private am i correct in saying in ireland you have to yeah i I think so yeah Yeah, i think you have to pay so it's it's not for it's not for everyone it's it it shows up certain i think it's edward's disease am i correct syndrome there's a few different things yes um and it shows up anything genetically and and i suppose that awful um thing then why do you do it because are you going to make some decision on it and I often think that that's not the not necessarily the reason that people um do it I think sometimes it's it's the preparedness or the knowledge or knowledge gives you power or I don't know I think sometimes there's a control trying to get some control back in a pregnancy I did it on both because my doctor said I don't know whether it was a certain because I was a certain age I think he said oh you probably should and I did it and it was a given but I know not everyone does it so for Ivy it was it was something you did do we yeah we decided we would do it um I suppose I wanted to know everything. I hadn't even found out the sex of the baby on either of the yes. two previous. I wanted surprises. I didn't want any surprises. Okay. I wanted all surprises. Right. This is a whole different ballgame. Redundant. Yes. You know, so I wanted every single detail. So I did the harmony. I wanted to know if it was a boy or a girl. Um, every little detail. I was a little bit more probably hyper vigilant, like nervous with my appointments and everything Were else. you anxious during that I was anxious. I was anxious. Very anxious. I was wow. terrified when I went into labour. I remember my bottom lip quivering, you know, when you're like frightened or anxious. Do you think um, you just all brought it back maybe? You were I just... think so. I, I, I just wanted the labour to end. I was terrified. How many years was there between Leo and Ivy? Sorry. Um, not there's 22 months okay. between them. Oh. So um, Oh, quick. Okay. Yeah. So like I was busy with all that going on and so the pregnancy kind of flew by yeah. you know you're tired anyway but um so you're emotional giving birth to her very emotional yeah I didn't have like epidurals on either of the boys and then you know I was like I want an epidural you were just yeah god oh just and fe- yeah crying and frightened and I didn't enjoy that labor at all I just wanted her out I wanted everything to be okay um and the midwife kept saying that to, I was like, why am I like this? And she said, you're probably just traumatized. Of course you are. You know, even and though you hadn't your had labor was or great. anything to prepare. No, you, no, you hadn't no. gone to the like me headed into the, <laughs> the chap in Hollister for a chat. You hadn't done all that to prepare yourself for the labor. No, so I had a lot of fear about delivering, you know, a baby that may not be, you know, a lot. There was a lot of nightmares. And I remember thinking I need yes. to I need to just handle this now. because yeah. This is not this is not OK. I was driving to Hollister Street at night to get a scan. Okay, often yeah, and Jason yeah. would be asleep in the bed and I didn't want him to know I was strange <laughs> and I would do it just because I didn't trust um, yeah. so it did help me to have one or two conversations but you hadn't done that so of course you were just an emotional wreck yeah okay yeah. so she comes out so she arrived I mean it wasn't a bad labour I did get my epidural in the end I think it was about six hours start to finish and she arrived and it was great and I was very calm then when she arrived I remember being a bit is she okay is she okay for about 10 minutes after she was born yeah. she's very quiet oh she's sleeping a lot you know <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. but she was she was perfect and everything was fine and um she was a really good baby up until about nine months <laughs> I was gonna say I really want to know about how the dynamic is at home I know Leo is loving and a love ball and just yeah. I know Tom is could I say Mr. Responsible, the good, you know, he's a great, how is the dynamic throwing Ivy into the mix? Because this is the only gal in the house, besides you, of course, Lady Jill. But how how are the three, Jill? Um, They're really good and they're all really different. And, you know, that Tom piece is like a separate nearly piece as well. He's, you know, probably older before his years, you know, he probably has a bit 
too much responsibility, you know, because we rely on him a lot. Do this with your brother. Get your brother. Help your brother. Don't do that to your brother, you know. Um, but he's so, He'll so... He'll go wild in college. Yeah, He'll maybe. be like, I'm going to rebel from being perfect. But you were also very, I thought, very mature in school. Like, it's probably just also personality trait. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Um, but he's very kind. Like, he does have a very, you know, good kindness. And, you know, he probably gets that from having a ch- uh, sibling with um, a disability, you know, a lot more so than maybe be a kid that doesn't have a sibling with a disability and just to say on that actually he he did a sib shop which is this amazing workshop where he goes at the down syndrome center so it's for siblings who have a brother or sister with down syndrome and it's that's his third time to do it and he really really by the by um so the two <laughs> younger Ivy. ones, but Ivy. <laughs> so Ivy gets on well with Tom and Leo gets on well with Tom. But okay. Ivy and Leo clash. Uh, they clash a little bit. Because she annoys him. She annoys him. <laughs> or does he annoy? Like, what is it? They, they just spark off each other. Okay. You know, she'll take things off him that oh, he wants. She antagonizes. She antagonizes him. You know, if he's hugging me, she'll push in. <laughs> um, she'll push him off. Um, she's, just, she's she's a three, fighter, right? She's just at that stage. You know, it's my mom. You know, no, it's because she's a girl, Jill. I have two girls. Yeah, <laughs> like you're yeah. always like, no, I think it's pres- no. <laughs> no, she's very difficult. <laughs> <laughs> They're totally different. I'm like, they're totally different. It's funny, a few of our friends in the group have had a third child and they're girls and they had had previously had boys. And I do remember saying to one of my friends who's girls, some people really would like to have a girl. Some people don't care about gender. There's this whole thing about gender disappointment. There's lots of people who have opinions about this. Some people don't get it. Like, it doesn't matter what gender it's a child. But I'm always like, oh, wait till you say. <laughs> like, they look cute, but they are full blown. She, she is like, she Maybe is. they're easier when they're older. <clears throat> Maybe boys get a bit crazier. But my gosh, they're demanding. She's on steroids. Like, <laughs> I'm not able for her at all. She's a big personality. She's very big emotions. She's yes, very we've excited, a lot of big emotions. Very, yeah. Or very upset. It's yes. devastating. Like, if Leo takes something on her, it's the end of the A lot world. of big feelings. She'll lash out. Like, she'll belt him, you know. She's Whereas just, Thomas' feelings, I think boys, and I'm totally generalizing but I feel like boys um, they deal with things differently like we have so many big feelings at home all the time and then then there's my big feelings and I feel like Jason and my dog Monty who's gender fluid um, <laughs> really struggle with the feelings because I have a lot than the two girls and I think Jason's like how did this happen I came from such a male dominated country and house and culture and I'm like this is what God gave you this now he's a wash yeah. with <laughs> hormones and feelings I don't want to let you go this is such a a beautiful conversation and you do so much you have to follow Gillian um, on Instagram there's always some campaign or something going on or a song or money being raised or the incredible work you do and you can tell us you can actually mention these these beautiful places as well and yes I'm so- sure services are improving but they're never fab how are you and Dave and like I'm not asking for like a blow by blow how's your mark but how are you having gone through nine years with Tom and you've had these other little ones how does that affect a relationship? How have you changed? Do you feel like you're an amazing team as a result? Yeah, like I think the overriding thing is the teamwork, you know, like I couldn't manage without him, you know. He's... Uh, like I'm a disaster. <laughs> like anyone I speak to, I cry and Jill's like, I, I will keep it together. <laughs> but I do think when you touch on the person that literally... Um, holds you steady and is your rocket like you've said beautifully there when there was ups and downs one of you and it's so the case when one falls yeah. the other has to rise and, and vice and versa and it's only now as you say nine years well actually Tom was ten last month so it's ten years Gosh. so when we look back it's it's that it's that retrospective piece like Massive look chapter. what we've come through in ten years and it's not monumental like I mean, it is monumental books or stories it written about us but you know we've managed you will to get write a book I hope <laughs> I really hope you will <laughs> we've managed to get through to where we are and look we're still we're still in it we're still, still in the trenches we're still standing <laughs> like the though song. yeah and look I couldn't couldn't manage without him and what's the song you often put to your Instagram videos of Leo there's a beautiful song I love you I don't know what it is but it always makes me ball oh, and I don't really? steal it from you because I feel it's Leo's song um, as long as I love you is it oh yeah maybe is it? Is it? Yeah, it's the most beautiful uh, song but I always think how long will I love you how long yeah. will I love you yeah Okay, I've got a quick fire and then I'm going to let you go because I've kept you over time. Okay, okay. We'll breathe out the tears. Is this generation too child-centric? Like, are children too entitled? Yes. Okay. Do you want me to elaborate? No, because everyone's been like, I don't think so, Michael. Do your kids sleep? Um... 
Usually, yeah. Um, Ivy wakes every night, but she goes back to sleep in our bed. Okay, she probably has big feelings or something. Happiest recent memory? Um, oh gosh, uh, it was Tom's 10th birthday uh, last month. So I love when we all get together and do our cake photos, which Leo hates. I love he your just... cake photos. They're so funny. There's like all of you just sh- and someone holding someone and... Do you know what? This is life and they're so yeah. perfectly imperfect and yeah. I love that. And then we have Dave's birthday, which is Valentine's Day. So yeah, just those small little family happy moments. family moments. Um, best thing about your children or having children? Um, I think it's just, you know, the unconditional love and the little moments that catch you when maybe you're being a bit of a, you know, not great to them or giving out. And they're like, that's okay, mommy or something, you know, and they, they just, just bring you right back they to They just ground. love you. Yeah. Um, hardest thing about about being a parent? Um, I think a lot of it is to do with uh, their experiences in the world that you can't control and you really want to protect them from things, but you can't and you just need to be honest with them about things. And, you know, with a now 10 year old and that's happening more and more. Yeah. That's hard. What's it, Who's a hero of yours? Um, oh, God, who's a hero of mine? It's a really tricky question. I don't know. I, I, I have a lot of, um, just to keep it like in the non-celebrity world, I have a lot of, as I mentioned previously, like moms or parents who have gone down this path ahead of me, you know, and um, that I would look to a lot for kind of um, inspiration and and um, guidance, you know. So, you know, your village gets smaller and tighter and, you know, you have great people there that can often, you know, be a hero. An everyday you, hero, carry you. carry you, yeah. Finally, Jill, what is your favourite thing to do for yourself, like on your own? Um, what is your favourite thing? Okay, well, I don't get much time on my own. <laughs> um, but, you know, I'm as happy. People always say, oh, did you listen to this podcast or that podcast? I'm a demon. Music is definitely my therapy. Yes, I'll be very like, musical. headphones yeah. in, music on. Okay, unashamed Taylor Swift fan or yeah you're really Enya. into the pop classics yeah oh <laughs> wow wow that's a real and Celine Dion and Celine Dion yeah. big fan not not sorry so um, music like music, brings you joy yeah yeah just tune out listen to my well, Gillian Murata, you are a hero of mine. Thank you so much for coming on the pod and sharing your story. If there's anyone you want to mention or thank or maybe point people in their direction that might need a bit of advice, do you want to do that now? Well, I mean, in terms of support around Down syndrome, there's um, Down Syndrome Ireland. Um, their website is excellent. It has lots of really good information, especially maybe for new parents with a new diagnosis. The Down Syndrome Centre are phenomenal, um, where we bring Leo for lots of... Um, he did the TOT class with Trina, who's amazing there. And he has super uh, speech therapist and uh, occupational therapist. And uh, Leo's school now, he started school last September. He's in St. Michael's house. And um, I just love anyone from St. Michael's House as well, services and the school. I think the main takeaway from this is the hope for anyone feeling fearful or lonely or not informed enough and just a bit scared. I hope Gillian has given you huge hope and that you might even have a a wild ivy one day uh, as well. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thanks, Becca. I hope you enjoyed this episode of A Little Birdie Told Me. And if you did, it would be wonderful if you could subscribe to the podcast.